All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield, rounding out week one in college football and dad chooses to start the show with violence right away everyone working on this show has done a really great job this week it's been a ton of fun being out in boston getting to sort of relaunch what had been the gojo show merge it into all this stuff we've had so many great people working hard and they do this fun open for yeah, us that you fun. can see nice, you know yeah. when you download subscribe rate review yeah. five star rating or watch us live here 8 to 10 a.m eastern monday through friday uh on the DraftKings youtube channel DraftKingsNetwork.com or samsung tv plus and they put together this little montage at the beginning mm-hmm. of pictures of it's very me nice. and dad in our younger years, yeah, me in yeah. high school and a baby picture. And my dad leans over me right before the start of the show and goes, man, you had a really fat face as a kid. I and think he said chunky. I said chunky and full, not yeah. fat. Okay. All right, what I does not, chunky and full mean? I mean, chunky's cute. Like, babies are chunky. It's yeah. Like, it's cute. I wasn't fat shaming you. Yeah. It sounded... It was malicious intent. We like our babies chunky. Yeah, that's exactly. Like you meaty. want a chunky baby. I meant it in the most positive way. Yeah. I just like I wanted you to like understand and acknowledge. Where do you think that came from? Like uh, donuts. I mean, genetics. Have you seen the picture of you? My earliest memory of you is a picture of you jamming your hand into a sheet cake at 330 pounds. Yeah, that's I, amazing. I, I, I all people say, oh, you look so much better today, you know, and, and they're trying to be nice to say what I did look like. And I say when I was big boned and, and I always tell my wife, I said, why didn't you tell me I was fat? And she's like, well, I see you every day. You know, I, was, I, I said, that's, that's, yeah. that's not an excuse. Tell me I it need to lose. It snuck up on me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It snuck up on me over years. <laughs> yeah. Finished playing at 300. Next thing I know, I'm 315 and look like a vanilla milkshake. I mean, fill me in on this. Let me know. Yeah, mom's got this blind spot for the men in her life being chubby because I always look back now and it's the same deal. I was a chubby kid. Well, you were the kid that wore the t-shirt going into the pool. Oh, no. Which which your brother Jake always gets on you about and your mother gets so mad. I get on me about because I was a chubby kid and now I'm a less (laughs) chubby adult, but my mom ever much a mom yeah, refuses yeah. to accept the idea that I was a fat kid. 
especially because she was making us monkey bread before school every day. <laughs> well, that's the thing. When you're a kid, it's not like you're planning your menu. Like you're like, today I'll have this for lunch, mother. Like you just you. When you're grown up, you just you just. And so so Jesse is now blaming your yeah, mother. Said, no, 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 no. To be clear, shot. To be clear, it was a different time. Our parents fed, we did not know what we know now. Coming right? from the woman who fed us all do? donuts this morning. What did you I, do? Yeah, where Come is on. the woman who fed us all donuts Box this of morning? donuts who today. Is, yeah. Who is she? It was it's, me. It was yeah. Me. yeah. Wow. I'm the, I'm the problem, it's me. It's Mike, me. just know I meant it with nothing but love in my heart. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean this. Uh, we are brought to you by Wrangler. Made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. We got a lot to get to. It is the full week one of college football coming up this weekend. We're going to have Jordan Travis, the quarterback of the Florida State Seminoles, who's getting ready to probably play in the biggest game of this opening weekend as Florida State takes on LSU in a rematch of a barn burner from last year. Two teams with big-time college football playoff expectations. Excited to look at the full weekend slate, but Dad, we kicked it off last night. We had college football left and right here. I'm looking around and we knew the headliners that we're going to get to. Utah and Florida playing right, right. in a big rematch of last year's week one game. We had Minnesota. We had the Matt Ruler getting started in Nebraska. We had an Arizona State game finish at like 4 in the morning Eastern because of a dust storm and lightning delay out there. It was chaos on night one. Yeah, Trent Dilfer starting his head coaching job at UAB, running up the score, Yo. throwing bombs <laughs> with 30 seconds to go. His quarterback went 38 of 41 in that game, throwing the ball all over the park, scored a passing touchdown with four seconds ago when they were up by like 100. So that was a, a, but he got his first win there. But there were the two marquee games yesterday for sure. It felt so good having it on there and having the quad box going again, yeah. having a game on the TV and a game on the iPad and a game on the laptop. We felt at home last night and we felt even more at home because, uh, spoiler alert, if you were wondering coming into the 2023 season, hey, what's the deal with this Utah Utes team? Maybe you've dropped in for the first time on college football and you're not really sure what the MO has been for Kyle Whittingham's bunch out in Utah. They're going to try and beat you to death with hammers. And that's what they did again last night against Florida. The now two-time defending Pac-12 yeah. champions opened up at home, Dad, with a pretty dominant win over Florida 24-11, the box score, Dad, is going to tell an interesting tale of this game for people that didn't watch this game. Because you look through, and Florida outgained Utah right. offensively in terms of total yardage. They led in time of possession, and they end up losing by 13 points because they could not get out of their own way. Dad, this is really the classic example of, did Utah, who was shorthanded in this game, no Cam Rising, no Brent Keithy. Eight starters out in this game. Eight starters yeah. from a team that won the Pac-12 last year in addition to some draft losses. Did they go out and win this game, or was this really Florida just shooting themselves in the foot over and over? Yeah, I mean, Florida was 1-13 of 13 on third down. They had nine penalties. Yeah, they averaged seven a game last year, which put them, put them over 100, uh, 101st, I think, ranking. So they're a penalized team. They had nine, as I said last night. Couldn't convert a third down. Partly, you know, I think like anything else, it's somewhere in the middle. They made mistakes, but... One thing about Utah, no matter whatever you talk about a Utah team every year, one thing they're going to do is, as Mike used the word hammer, is be that hammer on defense. Their defense is extremely tough, and they will bludgeon you. And that's exactly what they did to Florida last night. And, and then you come out of the game. Remember, Cam Rising, the starting quarterback, not playing in this game. He blew, blew out his knee in the Rose Bowl last year. So what was it? Bryson Barnes, first play of the game, 
70-yard touchdown, and it wasn't a five-yard slant that uh, Money Parks, love that name, by the way. Yeah, no, Money, Money Parks took it up. Time. This was a flat-out bomb where the safety started reading the crossing route too much, less room over the top, and Barnes put it on the Money to Money, who finished it off for a 70-yard touchdown pass on play number one. Uh, Barnes, again, the backup, had 159 yards passing, 150 in the first half, including that yeah. seven-yard or so. They just kind of were grinding out that game. He only threw the ball, I think, 18 times in this game, 12 of 18. They did it an efficient way, and Florida Florida shot themselves in the foot more than a few times. Yeah, it was a sloppy game by both teams, yeah, well, right? Because, expected, yeah. yeah. Expected, but even for Utah, we talked about missing their quarterback. They would throw Nate Johnson in there, who was another one of their backup quarterbacks, younger guy, more of a dual threat, to try and really recapture that because you saw, I think, the value of both quarterbacks that played for these teams in last year, right? A lot of people singing the praises of Anthony Richardson in hindsight saying, man, what he was able to do with this team last year, given what we saw out of Florida constantly shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, in the first quarter and change alone, dad, for Florida, you had three post-snap or pre-snap penalties on critical third and short right. situations or fourth and short situations that directly killed drives. Like, you didn't have to work hard. It wasn't like having to wait to see which card comes next to the blackjack table when somebody makes the wrong move. You got to see right away that took points off the board for a team that after weathering that early blow, Dad, seemed to level set a little bit. Yeah. Utah wasn't dominant no, on offense against no. them. They were 3 of 13 right. on third down in this game. They were a team operating without their starter in Cam Rising who can do both. He can run and pass. You had to kind of use two guys to make one out of that Utah offense. And I looked at a Florida team that... When you watch down in and down out, didn't look as far off physically or competitively, but it was they just couldn't get out of their own way. Yeah. Underscored by late in that game, you had forced Utah, in the middle of that game, you had forced Utah to punt. And Florida backs up, receives the ball, we see the penalty blown. Florida gets flagged for a penalty I know a lot about. Yes, you do. Having two players yep. on the same special team unit wearing the same, same number, number. Yeah. which is something, Dad, and I heard Sam Acho and the guys on the halftime show talking about it. You go over the night before games. Mm -hmm. You go into the room, and you've got these big meetings where you go through offense, defense, special teams, and you go through each special teams unit, and you would go through the sub drill. So if a guy goes down, who's his backup, who goes in, and you've got all that stuff situated. Somewhere along the line, someone yeah. just flat out missed that you had two yep. guys wearing the same uniform. Notre Dame had a player that had to change his uniform number the week of game one because they figured that out during the week. And now here, it bites Florida. They turn the ball back over because of that. Utah gets to retain the ball and score seven points at a critical juncture in that game. I understand it's week one, but Dad, it was over and over and over again in a way that completely thwarted Florida's effort. That was the biggest problem for them in this game, bar none. And that's what you look at now when they go over film. You certainly correct physical mistakes. You know, foot placement, hand placement. You got beat physically for this reason. But I, I, we both call games, and we both said this on air, and, it, and it's not rocket science. Coaches hate the procedure penalty, the mental penalty, worse than anything else. They'll take a physical penalty because you were out there kind of doing your thing, trying. But that false start where all of a sudden you, you ruin a third and one or a fourth and one or, you know, put you in a situation now going back five yards uh, and hurting your team there, those are the ones that crush a coach and can crush a team. The mental errors, the mental penalties. And then for a team that's in the red zone four times and you come away with 10 points, 
These are all the things that the coaches will look at. One of 13 third down, where's the problem? Some were procedure penalties, you know, that, that, that caused that as well. But it is the mental things that get involved. And as far as a double number, listen, that starts with the coaches. I was going to say, that's, I mean, they got to look so, themselves oh, when they're without a staff a doubt. that's got more support, yes. like double the amount of support staff members that they do players. While you expect everybody to know the rules, that's a tough one for the players. They're just excited to be out on the field. You know, I, I, you're not going to get many players that say, wait a minute, that's too, you may have some that do that, but that one's going to fall on the coaches without question. So it's, that's what happens in week one. It's usually sloppy and you have things to correct, but it's the mental, it's the mental errors that really get a coach more than anything else. And, and those mental errors, I mean, that's a direct reflection of the coaching staff more often than not. We're always looking on the outside, looking in, right, for things that are indicative of coaching. Because you and I both know, coaching is mostly what you see on every given day behind closed doors in the building. And so in games, it's clock management, and it's usually, hey, situational football and the discipline of your team. We ascribe pre-snap penalties especially to the discipline of a football team that's instilled time and time again. And for Billy Napier in this outfit, he's already, because this was a standalone game, because it's the first night of college football season, he's going to have a lot of people already sparking up the heat under that seat going into year two for him because they've had a lot of big recruiting wins. But if you go out here, and, and Dad, part of me wants to cut them a little slack because this is a Utah team that knows exactly who they are. Right. This is a Utah team playing at home in a night game in one of the most raucous environments in college football that people probably don't know as much about. So you've got all those factors in there. But, man, Utah was down eight starters, too. They managed to make it work in a way that Florida just looked completely inept on. Yeah, the one thing I'll say we may disagree on, a false start on a third and one, I'm not putting on the coaching staff. You know, I, I but, be, oh, not once or twice, but when it happened, I'm saying over the course of a long season, right. when penalties like that are happening, focus penalties, that to me is indicative of, hey, you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen, right? You're either not putting the right guys in there, you haven't instilled discipline enough along the well, team. Yeah, like, that I, generally yeah, tends to be how it goes. I mean, I guess if it happens, it's a pervasive problem. If it happens with the same person a few times, but if he's not jumping, you know, a, a illegal false start in practice, you're not going to expect it in a game. But if the same person is doing it over and over... Well, and, then, but if it's happening to your team over and right. over, if this is a problem that persists over the course of a season, I, I, I'm saying, again, you're either coaching or that allowing can it to happen. Be, that can be. It, this is week one, so I'm, I'm certainly... Not, I'm, I'm going to put that on the players, you know, at, at least in week one to say, listen, you got, you got, to, you got to hold your water. you got to know the count. It's, it's going to be very interesting now to watch the ripple effects of this for both of those teams... Utah looks exactly like a team that when Cam Rising comes back healthy and they get healthier across the board, should absolutely and could absolutely win the Pac-12 yep. yet again. I still firmly believe that no one in the Pac-12 is going to be able to come out whole enough from the juggernaut end of October, November schedule that all these teams are going to go through. But this is a team full of adults who are sure of their identity under Kyle Winningham, and that showed up night one of week one in this college football season. Unfortunately, the same can also be said oh, for another boy. team wearing wow. red that played last night, Jesse. Yeah, Nebraska lost a nail-biter to Minnesota um, on Thursday night. First game under coach Matt Rule. Huskers could not overcome four turnovers, losing 13-10 on a last-minute field goal. This game kind of had everything here. It came down to the last minute. What was your guys' take on this? And I mean, Huskers could not keep 
the energy from the, the volleyball, volleyball didn't volleyball. go yeah. in. It was yeah. not, the vibes were not right. They well, strayed too far from Memorial Stadium. <laughs> yeah. They like, lost their strength. Like Notre Dame is a fencing school with yes. 13 national titles. Nebraska is a volleyball school at this point. Listen, this is a game, now it was a one-score game, so you, it's not like you feel comfortable. But Nebraska has the ball, what, right around midfield. They're running the ball. They're burning the clock. The only thing you can't do is turn the ball over. And the, the, the ball gets knocked out of the running back's hand. Uh, Minnesota recovers. They go down and score on already in week one, maybe one of the best touchdown catches. Oh, my God. The 13-yard touchdown pass to Daniel Jackson. There is no way... When I saw that, I said, oh, he was out. Dragging the, that back yeah, foot, the, the poise. The ref steps in and, and says, touchdown. I said, oh, that's getting overturned. And you see it in slow nope. motion. It almost looked like, how did he do that, dragging the back foot when the front foot was just about on the ground, out of bounds in the end zone? That was fantastic. So still, at least, tie ball game. Nebraska with the ball, going down to try and get the winning score. Interception. Yeah. Turn it over again. And Minnesota gets himself in field goal range to kick one as, as I believe the clock runs out to get the win 13 to 10. And Nebraska and Matt Rule sitting there stunned saying, we had this one. We're trying to burn clock at the end of the game. Two turnovers later, they're 0-1. Nebraska now 2-14 and yeah. in one-score games since the start of the 2021 season. And we know that's a lot of Scott Frost stats. But, Dad, I, I guess the disheartening part if you're a Cornhuskers fan is – there was a lot of improvement, especially defensively on this yeah, team. Yeah. Looked bigger, executed at a high level. Ethan Kaliak Manis, who was getting the start taken over for Tanner Morgan, who had been there Forever. since the Bush administration yeah. uh, in Minnesota, had some big moments like that throw. There were big throws mixed in there with freshman moments where he took sacks or took off to run in spots where maybe a veteran player wouldn't have done that. The Nebraska defense showed up more. Unfortunately, it was mistakes and finding a comical way to lose that brought them all the way back. Jeff Sims, the quarterback that was a transfer from Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech, that got the start for them. Three interceptions in this right. game, four turnovers overall. And really, again, just couldn't get out of their own way in a game that seemed allergic to the end zone for a large portion of it, which proves that Big Ten football is officially back. So it seems like it's either in week one, because normally early on, defenses are ahead of offenses. So in week one, you either get that high-scoring game, right, where all of a sudden the offenses are just kind of scoring at will, or a defensive game filled with some mistakes. And that was this game. Yeah. As I mentioned, 10 to 3 with, with five minutes to go before the fumble <laughs> and the score happens. The, with a, the quarterback for Minnesota, Ethan Kaliak Manis, attempted 44 passes in yeah. this game and did not crack 200 yards passing. Yeah. That is the offensive tour de force that we saw. Yeah, th there was no offense. So overall for Nebraska, they have four turnovers, seven penalties in this one. So this was a defensive, more of a defensive battle filled with some mistakes on the offensive side of the ball. But after all of that, I mean, Matt Rule had to feel pretty good to yeah. say, okay, we're, we can, we can run, as you said, as a former old lineman, even though there's five some minutes ago, it's still considered four-minute offense. Control the ball, run the ball, keep the clock moving. That's what you got to do. Worst thing you can do is fumble. Give Minnesota credit on the fumble. Great job of getting an arm in and yep. punching the ball out. Uh, but then, you know, you got to play some defense. And still, that, that catch by Daniel Jackson was one – week one already, that is probably going to hold up for a while as the catch of the year. It was absolutely incredible. If you haven't seen it, you'll get plenty of chances to see it. Yeah, full extension oh there. Looked gosh. like the Jumpman logo in yeah. the end zone. And that's going to be, you know, I, I think these are both teams that are going to have interesting expectations. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
Minnesota's not one of the haves in the Big Ten as we look at them right now. They lost Mo Ibrahim, their t- one of their school's all-time leading rushers right, yeah. from last year. We mentioned Tanner Morgan, while old, was a part of some really great offenses early in the Fleck era there. Defense going to be the calling card yet again for Nebraska. I do think it will get better especially than what we saw last season. Now, it's also worth noting, Matt Rule, who's known as this program jump starter, right? What he did at Temple, what he did at Baylor, year one wasn't the time that that really took hold. So the record might not reflect it this year. This might be more like year one Dan Campbell for the Detroit Lions, where you're still in some of these close games, you're still losing, but you're looking for some of those signs, like we talked about on defense last night, of are things starting to change? I know there are a lot of Nebraska fans already a little uh, uncertain about the offense coordinated by Marcus Satterfield and quarterback by Jeff Sims, but you're going to have to give these things time over the course of the year to see if there's any of those positive notes. I I do think it will get better. As you just mentioned, Matt Rule has a history of doing that. But when you lose in a way, as you mentioned, what, 2-14 and in one-score games since 2021, that's bringing up the past and saying, we're still doing things oh. from the past. We need to break out of that. But I do agree it will be different with a new coach. We're going to talk about others as well. Deion Sanders getting ready to coach his first uh, game at Colorado. Is this a new coach that can start to turn a program around? There's, there's a lot of it's that. It's one of the hardest things, and I went through it as a player on some bad teams, to see the ball go through the basket in a positive way. Coming up next, though, let's talk holdouts and a little bit of soft knocks from hard knocks next. <laughs> Brought to you by Wrangler. Jeans, shirts, and jackets made for the ride of life. Be ready for those cooler days and longer nights in styles that keep you warm and keep you comfortable, moving, and looking great no matter where you are. You can wear Wrangler jeans literally anywhere. At work, out at night, playing a pickup game with friends, or at home, watching the game on TV. They're that comfortable and that durable. And there's a Wrangler shirt for every occasion. Casual tees, snaps and button-ups, or layer them together for a little of both. And don't forget the iconic Wrangler jackets. When the weather starts to chill and you need to venture out, Wrangler will keep you ready for anything. Add some Wrangler to your getup with jeans, shirts, and jackets that look great, fit great, and move great, so you're always ready for whatever life throws at you. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order when you use the promo code GOJO15. Wrangler, for the ride of life. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice-cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there and you get to that little clubhouse there and they've always got the candy bar options. And I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. 
And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We are just days away from the start of the 2023 NFL season. Here we go, baby. And the 49ers are still without Nick Bosa who is holding out as he awaits a contract extension. And Kyle Shanahan admitted on Wednesday that the situation has become a bit worrisome. I mean, he could see Bosa maybe missing some time, but he was adamant that he would not be traded. I thought it would come probably to this time, just looking at the history of those things. Um, and I'm really hoping it gets done. I know they're working tirelessly at it. John, Hamp, Prague, I know their, their team is. And, but um, hopefully we can get him in here sooner than later. Any way you can imagine this team not having him on the team, say, if this thing goes on into the regular season? Uh, yeah, you, I can imagine anything. Doesn't mean I like that picture. Um, of course not. You guys know how we feel about Nick, and um, we all know how good of a player he is. So hopefully we can come to terms soon and um, get him here as fast as possible. There's no way that you guys would consider trading Nick? No. Yeah. I mean, I haven't talked to many people about that, but I know how I feel pretty strongly. I can imagine anything. Doesn't mean I like that. I thought that was hysterical. Every once in a while, coaches in press conferences, because they're working on the fly here, come up with some of the most insane little quips that money yeah. can buy. Yeah. I mean, that was incredible. Just like, well, I can imagine anything. You're like, well, I bet you can. <laughs> if you can believe it, you can achieve it. Yeah. There is. I'm Kyle Shanahan, and I approve this message. <laughs> no shot they would even think of trading of this guy. You know exactly what you have to do. You have to pay him, and we thought for a while now, so what is it? Um, it's Aaron Donald at 31.7, I think, average annual. Uh, and yeah. then the next, I think, is Quinn and Williams at like 24 or 25. So there's a gap. Well, Bosa's going to be more than Aaron Donald and should be, right? I mean, at this point, this is just how it works. We're going to talk about another one in that in a tight end uh, in a bit with TJ Hawkinson because some people are always like, how can this person get paid more than that person? Well, it's just when your time comes up. And Nick Bosa has done enough. This dude in four years. Now, one of those years, he only played two games. Yeah. The other three were full seasons. He has 43 sacks, let alone forgetting the sacks, the pressures, and the hits that, 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 he, that he has as well. He should and will get more average per year than Aaron Donald. It's just the next step. Well, he's also an edge rusher, right? Part of the conversation right. with Aaron Donald's always been, he got paid, and he is at $31 million a year average in that metric because there's a number of ways to be the highest paid whatever. Right, right, Aaron right. Donald is the highest paid non-quarterback in right. NFL history at that number. And usually players and agents are looking for, and that's always kind of the battle, is how am I going to be able to sell to the outside world? My player is the highest quarterback ever, the highest paid player in NFL history. And I'm sure the charge here is the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history right. for Nick Bosa, which to your point, especially at edge rusher, that's an even easier sell in yes, most people's is. mind yeah. because that's been a glamour position for a long time. And even still in the world of football we have now, it's even more valuable because of the premium placed on quarterbacks. You draw a line and draw a string from the quarterback to all the positions that can most directly either protect or impact that guy, and that's where you follow the money going. Right. Nick Bosa has been undeniably great and should be undeniably paid. His brother, Joey, I believe is a little over $100 million guaranteed, which is another number to keep in mind mm -hmm. for the total numbers in this contract. But he is young, he has been extremely productive, and he is wildly important to a defense that has couple of main cogs that you absolutely need, right? Headlined by him and Fred Warner at the linebacker core as you've cycled through different coaches year right. after year on that side of the ball while they get head jobs. 
you got to keep those dudes because all the conversation we've had about quarterback has gotten bailed out because you have the best dude at probably three or four positions on your football team. He's one of them. Don't mess it up. Yeah, this to me, it, it really is a no-brainer. But then again, I thought Jonathan Taylor getting a 12 to $14 million deal, which is a pittance compared to numbers like that, to keep him in Indianapolis paired with Anthony Richardson. But, you know, it shows you what, probably why I'm not a GM. You know, they're not listening to me. But to me, this is a no-brainer. It's just what number do you fall on and get to that makes it great for the player and certainly good for the team as well. That's what a negotiation is. Rarely do you go on one side and say, boy, he completely won and the other side completely lost. You want, to, you want it to benefit both sides. To me, the more interesting one may be Chris Jones, who really may be out for a while, Mike. And where, where that goes is that Aaron Donald money. Now you're talking same position. And, and the general understanding in the D-tackle market had been for pretty much everybody. Yes. We're going to pay you a lot. We ain't going to pay you what we pay Aaron him. Money. And yeah. everyone's kind of understood that. And that I'm, seemed to be the understanding. I'm sure that's the understanding except for everybody but, uh, but Chris Jones. Right, and, and even if I'm Kansas City, I'd be like, "You're still not him." Yeah, but like, you're great, but nobody's him. But it's like, what are you doing for me now? And yeah. he has been incredible yeah. right now. So he he's got to be in that area, right? Where I think Bosa is past it. I don't think because yeah. Aaron Donald's even ahead of all the edge rushers as well. So you want to sit there and talk uh, position specific. He's more than the edge rushers is Aaron Donald. And the, and the edge rushers have normally been paid more yep. than, though we're starting to see a little difference. Quentin Williams, what yeah. he's done from the Jets, again, doing stuff from the interior as well, of what their worth is when they put up those numbers. And it's not just market leverage. We've talked about team leverage, looking at the rest of the Chiefs' defensive situation yeah. that almost solely hinges on Chris Jones being a difference maker. When you look at last year's team, that weathered so much change on offense, defensively when you've got a D-tackle that has 15 and a half sacks and finally gets his first postseason sack of his career, all those things, that's what helps propel you to the heights that they got to last year. So those paydays feel obvious. I don't feel like... I, I, we probably knew this was coming, right? Generally, when you trade for a player who's coming up on a new contract, people seem to look and say, all right, this is kind of an inevitable uh, situation where the extension's going to come. But TJ Hawkinson, like you talked about, Dad, four years, $68.5 million, the highest paid tight end by average annual value. Travis Kelsey now becomes the fourth highest paid tight end in professional football. That doesn't football. seem real it's, when you say that out loud. It, it, it's a good reminder that good organizations, when they know they got something, tend to get the deal done right away. Dad Hawkinson last year between Detroit yeah. and his stops uh, here now ended up with just under 1,000 yards receiving at about 900 yards receiving on the season and is a really good tight end. I don't think anyone views him in the class of, a George Kittle or a Travis Kelsey, but like you said, in range and due for a payday with the leverage coming off that trade, and here we are. Next in line. It's what it always is, is next in line. People can't believe it. People can't believe the numbers Daniel Jones got, right? But he was next in line, and he got a big payday, not the highest paid quarterback. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned last year, and it was Kelsey who was third in the league with 110 receptions. Now, Hawkinson was next in tight ends, I think, with 86 receptions. So he was 86 for 914 yeah. yards and six touchdowns. And, and I'm a, a huge fan of his. And again, he is another one. But these are the two names you use for why the trade deadline is now becoming an important part in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey, far and away, one of the biggest reasons. Dude, you know, left Carolina, gets traded to San Francisco, steps in a few days later, and is an immediate impact. TJ Hawkinson was as well going to Minnesota. So I, I get this. This is the business of sports 
and especially in football, what we're covering, he is next. So while people will question, how does he get that much? Because he's next. And then when the next one comes up, who is putting up good numbers, well, they'll be the next. I was going to say, next and you believe is going to be important still because we know these paydays aren't for what you're done, you've are done. you done. It's also for what, what they think you're going to do. do right. And you look at this Minnesota offense that waved goodbye to Dalvin Cook this offseason right. that needs to become more one, more than one-dimensional of throw the ball to Justin yeah, Jefferson. Adam Thielen gone as well to, in, to and, Carolina. And so now you've got Jordan Addison, who you draft out of USC, right. who's expected to help early there. You've got Hawkinson supposed to layer there. And you've got an offensive line with a bunch of young, very good parts. Brian O'Neill at right tackle. This offense needs to become more well-rounded overall. And they believe T.J. Hawkinson can be a big part of that. And so you've got him paid there for a Minnesota team that everyone, myself included, is looking at going prime for regression. You had the best record in one-score games in the NFL last year. You were a team that grossly overachieved and seemed to win in a lot of the margins. It's going to be on them now. Major change in defense with Brian Flores coming over on that side of the ball that we expect to pay dividends. But on offense, it's got to go out there and show it can be more than just one player. And I'll also say, remember the tight end position. We, we talk about the running back position. The tight end position, it's not like this is a monster cap number either. What's his yearly average, like 14 mil or something like that? When we're talking about what quarterbacks make, what edge rushers make, what left tackles make, what cornerbacks make, Tight ends are lower on the, they're more toward the running back average annual than toward the highest paid one. So while it's a lot of money, don't get me wrong, as far as a cap number and average annual salary, it's not up there near the tops of the other positions. And especially you mentioned, I think one of the things we've talked about a lot with running backs is what do you offer in terms of options? TJ Hawkinson, one of those tight ends that can do everything right. on the field, gives you a lot of options. Coming up next though, we got a lot of options as to who's gonna coach Michigan for the first three weeks of the season. Let's spin the wheel and find out who's up first. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Gojo and Golik and, and everyone just operating in fear here now. My mother blowing up group chats, trying to defend herself after we outed her for feeding us delicious sugary you monkey did. bread. You did. I, I would like it. to say, for the record, oh, that she was she's an amazing mother, and oh. I was not not insinuating that what she had anything a, to do what with a suck up. Her any defense of her was children's body types. Mike made it. <laughs> Mike made it sound like as she, round as they may be. Mike made it sound like every morning she made monkey bread for the kids. It was delicious. I loved it. It is, but she, as she texts to us, I only did it when Jake was in high school as well and needed to gain weight. 
that I made that for him for breakfast. Yeah. yeah. When I yeah. needed to gain weight, I would come home from football practice and I would eat the family size can of Chef Boyardee ravioli. Let's which go. has eight days yeah. of your daily sodium and in, sodium intake yeah. in yeah. one can of that. That works well. That's how you go ahead and beef this thing up. Well, that's Ooh, how you that yeah. beat cramps too, right? Beat cramp yeah. around the exactly. yeah. a lot of sodium in you. you that's part of a well rounded diet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Don't Check worry, the- Jesse, you're just you're just dead to my mom. That's oh my god. My, my, mom, my wife. You yeah. called her Please. your mom. Yeah. Me. Getting yeah. weird. Yeah. I know. Sorry about that. <laughs> Let me yeah. save you both from this yeah. one <laughs> and head to a little more college football yes. that we got coming up here this weekend. So there's a lot of lackluster games on the schedule in terms of the point spread. A lot of big numbers out there on the board, but a lot of very interesting teams for us to take in and see what the 2023 version looks like this weekend. Dad, no more interesting place to start, I think, the beginning of the season than the round robin of coaches that will be at the helm for the Michigan Wolverines. Now, they open the season with the second best odds to make the college football playoff at minus 110 behind the George Bulldogs. But they're going to open the first three games without their head coach, Jim Harbaugh, due to the self-imposed suspension after Cheeseburger Gate with the NCAA. The NCAA could tell me it's not about burgers. I know the truth. Mm -hmm. This is about burgers. And so not only is he going to be out, Dad, but their offensive coordinator and O-line coach, Sharon Moore, is also going to be out due to a self-imposed suspension following that instance. So this first game, D coordinator Jesse Minter is going to be the game day coach against East Carolina, where they are 36-point favorites. Dad, you and I both picked Michigan to make the college football playoff yesterday. But if they're going to get over the hump and they've had the beat Georgia periods and all that fun stuff in practice, everyone joking it should be a beat TCU period, what do we need to see from this Michigan team even early in this season to feel like we get a handle on if they're capable of that? Well, again, what they normally do known for, defense, ball control and offense, good efficient passing game, and that, that's what's got them there. They hit some big plays against Ohio State last year. They're not known for these monster big plays. They're just known for, as I said, a very tough, tough defense and efficient offense, great running back in Corum. Uh, uh, Donovan ca- Edwards. Ca- uh, carrying the ball. Um, so I, I, I think in these first few games, they can basically have the equipment manager coach them, right? I mean, this, this is not going to be, no, yeah. no, no disrespect there, but uh, that, that, that's not going to be an issue at all. And I think they run the type of, they have the type of team that can get into what their flow is going to be during the year. Because again, it's not, it's not a high flying act. So it's efficiency and it's fundamental football, and they do that incredibly well. And I think that's what needs to change early in the season if they want to get over the hump. Like, you look at this, we know they can do their thing very well. Right. And what Michigan's done in the last three years that they've been beating Ohio State is they've decided to build themselves in the giga-chad version of the Big Ten model, which is we want to beat the hell out of you on both lines of scrimmage. Ohio State, in the modern era, going back to when Urban Meyer got there, was built a different way. They recruited a level of athlete and ran a type of offense that competed on the national level and won you national championships, but wasn't necessarily what we're used to in the regional ideology of that conference. Michigan said, no, we want big burly boys that are going to come out here and push around your slightly smaller burly boys, and it's worked really well for them up to a certain point. You mentioned that Ohio State game last year. I'm glad you brought that up because that was the difference in that game. J.J. McCarthy had three games last year where he had over 250 yards passing against Indiana, against Ohio State, and against TCU in that game that ended up being a back-and-forth barn burner. That's got to happen more often. You've got to have a more competent downfield passing game developed 
If you're going to go up against the Alabamas and the Georgias and that upper crust of college football, you claim to want to break through here. I think, in especially these early games, I called the Michigan game last year, Mich- or Michigan-Michigan State game last year. Michigan State's had one of the worst secondaries in college football two years running. And I'm like, oh, this is a great opportunity for J.J. McCarthy, who's now a veteran signal caller, to go out there and push the ball downfield, to explore their downfield passing game so you get real-life game reps of that for when you're against opponents that are going to be able to be more formidable on the line of scrimmage with you. They didn't do that, and I started to get worried after that. Because if you weren't going to dust it off for that game, when are you going to try it out? I feel like early in this season... I've got to see Michigan more willing to let J.J. McCarthy cut it loose to try and explore that down the field. Because, again, you bring back the two-time Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line. Yeah, you do. Most parts of it. You've recruited great depth there. You've got a loaded backfield. J.J.'s a viable part of that running threat. I want to see them let him open it up a little bit more. I mean, isn't it, though, that, that you be who you are? That's not really who they but are. But who you are hasn't been good enough to get over the point but, we're But can about. you do it with, with these people who they haven't – three times they did it. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to think we can do it more. And who cares if they do it against ECU or whoever? I mean, you got to do it in the big games. Which That's you what I'm saying. You in can, Ohio State. And you'd like reps of that before you get to those big I games. I just don't know. I just don't know if that's who they are and can do that on a consistent basis. Now, they did it, it did it in one-offs in Ohio State, and it worked incredibly well. TCU, we know where that went. TCU ended up playing in, in the title game there. So, I just don't know if that's their personality, if that can become who they are. I think you've got to try. I mean, they, you, you, they, you've established an incredible... Michigan's one of the highest floored programs yes. in college football right now. This is about pushing for the ceiling. I mean, this is the same reason if you look at the NFL counterpart, if you look at John Harbaugh, they had a, one of the best rushing offenses, creative right. rushing offenses, Greg Roman in the NFL. And they just refused to develop a downfield passing game. And now they decided, hey, we've had a floor that's been pretty high in the AFC. We'd like to explore the ceiling. And I feel like Jim Harbaugh's probably asking himself some of those same questions oh, this time year. Time will tell if they can do that. Time will tell. We mentioned they are uh, second best odds to make the college right. football playoff. Uh, behind them, Ohio State at minus 115, Alabama at plus 135, USC at 250. We've got Penn State also in the Big Ten just sitting on the outside looking in at plus 320, Dad. They open the season against West Virginia on Saturday night. They're going to be a fascinating one as well. Yeah, listen, Penn State, we know what it comes down to with them. If they want to be in the national uh, talking points, October 21st at Ohio State, November 11th, home against Michigan. You can already look on the teams that – we wonder if they're going to be part of it, part of the, the, the end game. You start to look at those. It's just like Notre Dame. Yeah. You know, we see their schedule and we say Ohio State, USC, Clemson. Those are the three games for them. For Penn State, you expect them to win the other games. Those are the two games, right? You take care of business in those games. You have yourself a shot. So you can point to those games to wherever they are in the season. And that's where it is for Penn State. Going to be fascinating with them. Uh, Drew Alar, the era begins now after Sean Clifford, another Syracuse right. point guard style college tenure. And then Clemson, the Monday nightcap, which we'll get to talk about more on Monday, but they're plus 145 as the favorite to win the ACC at the start of the season. Going up against the Duke team, Dad. Riley Leonard at quarterback, a veteran guy coming back. What Mike Elko did last year with that squad, getting to nine wins. This is a really good shot out of the gate for Cade Klubnick, Garrett Riley, and this new-look Clemson offense going up against the Mike Elko defense that we saw firsthand when he was at Notre Dame can throw a lot at you. Yeah, they're going to throw a lot at him, and and we'll see how Clemson starts this game out. Again, they should be able to take care of business. We picked them to win uh, the ACC, but we look 
at their schedule, September 23rd, Florida State, right? That's that again going to be the matchup there is Florida State. We're going to talk about opens up with LSU in a couple of days. So that that should be another one good one like we had last year. But that's a big game for Clemson. Remember, when they play Notre Dame, that's out of conference. So does it doesn't count in the conference standings to win the ACC, of which Clemson will lose that game to Notre Dame. Is my, my showing my bias there? I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoopsies. Uh, but yeah, I, it's a good test for Clemson. They should pass that test. And we look forward to that matchup. That's what we do in college football. We get to those certain matchups at certain parts of the year. And, and we kind of assume with a lot of those teams, oh, you'll take care of business. This is a great chance. Game one, can Clemson come out with the focus against a team like Duke that feels like they've got a lot of positive momentum from last year? Going to be extremely well coached. So those are some of the exciting games coming up this season. We'll get to our three favorites later on. We'll give you some picks there. We will also talk to the quarterback of one of the best games mm -hmm. this weekend. Jordan Travis, guy who's got a Heisman hopes going into the season, is going to be manning the helm as the veteran for the Florida State Seminoles. We got a chance to talk with him about their upcoming matchup with LSU. Very excited, great kid. That program's certainly been on the rise and trying to compete with those Clemson players. But coming up next, let's revisit the other side of the Angels, Angels fire sale. Oh boy. And talk about a little wedding. Yes. The old pregame wedding trick. <laughs> Next, here on Golden Gojo. All right, guys, we're in the heat of the summer, and you need a pair of great shades that you don't have to baby. Knockaround Sunglasses is the go-to for quality, polarized shades that won't break the bank. Plus, they just released the first set of teams of their official MLB collection, including Red Sox and Yankees. Don't be the person that's squinting into the sun or worried about getting sand on their overpriced sunglasses. Check out knockaround.com for great looking polarized shades starting at just 28 bucks and use code GOLIC for free shipping on your order. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Well, the Angels are definitely going to be uh, saving some money. The team opted to try and dip under the luxury tax by putting six of their veterans on waivers. Keep in mind, these are guys that they acquired at the trade deadline. Five of those six players have been claimed. So guys, this roster just gonna look completely different as we enter September here. All of these guys are gone, except for our buddy Randall. He is staying, but I mean, can you, we've talked about this a little bit, the utter collapse of the Angels, and we said they had to go for it. You know, yeah. they went for it at the trade deadline. Everything that happened with Shohei, just the worst of luck. Uh, again, I have no problem with let's let's you know revisionist history here. At the deadline, they decided to keep Shohei, so they said let's make some moves and go for it. They were close to being in the postseason at that point, and I mean, who saw it falling apart the way it did? Right, where uh, some people felt like some this people was felt destined. like it was an inevitable. So, yeah. so mm. I, I, I guess this is what I don't understand. They were closer than, than than they've been in a while. So, and you're at the point. Okay, you have to make a decision on Shohei. I get it, but you say, okay, we're close. Let's make some moves. We have a guy who's pitching great, who's hitting great. You know, let's go for it. I, I still 
don't have a problem with that initial move. And then well, w- once, you know, once they started then losing and Otani uh, hurts the elbow, probably going to need another Tommy John, it fell apart. I don't have a problem with the initial move either because of what it represents and because of who the Angels are. I can look and say, yeah, there are plenty of people who probably could have predicted the Angels weren't actually going to make the postseason based on how they were playing, based on trends with them. That seems realistic to me. But when you look at what the value proposition was here, right, it was go for it to try and give yourself the best chance possible of keeping Shohei by making the playoffs. Right. Or trade him for a King's Ransom on the other side. The Angels have had two of the best players in modern baseball history. Yes. What do we think they're going to do with that King Ransom that's going to change that right. trajectory all that much? Like, the, I think, I don't know if we've talked about that enough is on the other side. This is an organization that has shown themselves to be largely inept when it comes to team building up to a level that will get you to a postseason or anything even closely resembling that with two of the best players that we've ever seen. And so because you're able to go get a bunch of picks to go and try and get the next version of these guys, we think all of a sudden the Angels are going to be able to rewrite their own destiny? No, probably not. So I'm with you. I don't really have an issue with the way they went about it because they took a big swing on their best chance of keeping the thing they have here and now and maybe understand who they were. We're not very good at this. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they hadn't done it in the past with the two best players, so they gave it a shot. I, I, you can't predict the future. All you can do is live in that moment and say, we're close. Let's go for it while we have these players. We've had these players for a few years, and we haven't done squat with it. So now let's, let's make a move and let's try, and it, and it backfires. Speaking of making a move, <laughs> Ronald Acuna Jr. Wow. made several moves. Yesterday might have been on and off the field. One of the best days we have ever seen a player have in modern sports history. And now, Ronald Acuna Jr. on the diamond. They played the Los Angeles yeah, Dodgers. Big matchup, yeah. Barn burner of a yes. game here. Yeah. He hits a grand slam to help right. them win 8-7 in that game and becomes the first player. He was already the first player in Major League history with 29 home runs and 60 stolen bases, but he becomes the first player with 30 home runs and 60 and stolen bases. And they have a month to go yet in the regular season. And still. I like, mean, incredible. It's unbelievable. But that is not the only story no, of Ronald Acuna Jr.'s day. No, he actually saved the ticket stub from this game to make sure that he could commemorate the special occasion that happened before this game, Jesse, where we got to see a guy full-blown marry the love of his life in a pregame ceremony. Yeah, he they went to a friend's backyard about 45 <laughs> minutes from the team's hotel, and they, they got married. They have two young sons together, and yeah, I guess... He, it was mentioned that she has a Venezuelan visa and she would have had to leave the country for three months before being able to come back. And he's like, this is my family. I want my family here. What if we make the postseason? They got come engaged out? in January. And, and, and yes. Now, they wanted to get married in Venezuela. That's where their kids right, were born. Right. That's he, where they go back So they were the postponing the wedding and whatnot. And he's like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do, you know, maybe they'll have like a big party later. But he's like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want my family to have to leave and come back. So they just said, let's make it official. And, and there was a deadline to it. This is much like the proposal of Sandra Bullock and Ryan yes, Reynolds, right? one week. Right, right. We, we, the we much got, less problematic Sandra Bullock movie. That's exactly, <laughs> yes. We, we, yeah, <laughs> well. Currently. So here's the deal. Um, Under the terms of her Venezuelan visa, Maria Maria had to leave the United States by the end of the week, which is today, and wouldn't be allowed to return for another three months, keeping her and the children away for a stretch run that may obviously see Acuna and his team in the World Series and him winning the MVP. So they basically had by today. 
So they had the backyard wedding yesterday, and uh, I, I'm sure all will be fine with them. I think, I think all is going to be good. Kind of hysterical, though. Nobody knew about it. I know. He was like, yeah, I didn't tell anyone. None of my he called his business knew. manager and said, yeah. hey, we, we need to get this done before Which, the end when, of the week. When you're managing Ronald Acuna Jr.'s business, the amount of business he brings yeah. into you, when your client calls you and says, hey, I need a wedding by tomorrow morning, you don't ask how. Nope. You She's just get just it done. Picking up phones, making calls, getting it done. Oh, I man, will say yeah. the one funny thing in this to me was it was positioned, and Alden Gonzalez on ESPN.com is a great article that kind of chronicles the whole situation. And one of the things that was brought up was well, in the next few months, Ronald Lacuna Jr., likely going to be the MVP, could potentially win a World Series. They've been the best team in baseball most of this season, and he wouldn't want his family to miss out on that moment. Right. So if they'd have sucked this year, would this not have gone down? Yeah, right. Going, oh, you guys can go and kick go it ahead. in Venezuela. I'll, back. I'll see you in a few weeks. I'll be back like, soon. Yeah. I, we might not even win a postseason game at this rate, so I'll just see you in the offseason, yeah. and we'll plan the wedding accordingly. Like, if they had been bad, would they not be married right now? Well, the, kind of the, the, the thing about it is, as well, they knew when the visa ended, and obviously they're the best team in the National League right now, the best record, and he's having a monster year. We've known that for a little while now, so I, I'm interested why they didn't get married a month ago. Let it come down, really come ago. down to the wire. They wanted we're, to yeah, wait we're until coming the down to the wire to, to have to be back in Venezuela today had they not been married. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, congratulations yes. to him for beating the clock on that one. I mean, God, if the Braves are smart, some type of proposal spoof on social media would yeah. be a nice touch here. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it fits the mold. Yeah. A really good rom-com to have your life loosely based off, too. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, phenomenal movie, by the way. Oh, oh great, great movie. Great movie, great One of actors. the all-time greats. The, the whole deal. Oh, by the way, going back to the game, 8-7 game, Mookie Betts, who we've been talking about trying to you know, push Acuna Jr. for uh, MVP in the National League. He had two home runs in this game, almost had a third. Actually, it was a deep fly ball to right field that, that could have been the third, but it was a, it was a fly out to actually to Acuna Jr., close to the warning track on that one. So, hell of a game for the team with the two best, you know, with, with some great records going into the postseason another month. I know we've talked about the unfortunate injury to Shohei Atani, a guy right. who's been the biggest show in baseball for the last couple of years. But to have that kind of game with two guys that are battling back yeah. and forth for the NL MVP and who are two of the brightest young stars in baseball. I mean, the other thing that you're reminded in reading this article is Ronald Cooney Jr., 25 years old. Yeah. 25 yeah, years old, marrying his 23-year-old fiance. They are kids. He is a kid, and he is a kid who is very good at baseball. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and let's not lose sight of the fact my hometown of Cleveland, it was the Guardians who picked up who claimed a couple of these players yeah. from the Guardians Angels. and the Reds. Yeah. Ohio really loves themselves yeah. the Angels. But the Guardians, even though they're six games under 500, they are just five out of the division lead uh, from Minnesota. So trying to make that, you know, late season run there with those couple of acquisitions. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens indeed. So we're going to have a lot coming down the stretch here in Major League Baseball that's very exciting. Again, big congratulations to the Acuna family. Absolutely. Now we love, love to see it. We, we love love, love on this it. show. We love love. I bet they'll have a hell of a honeymoon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, great great honeymoon. And I guess you can still throw in the party. I do feel like at the very least, you pop the registry up there. Oh, right? definitely. Well, do, you know, uh, the they registry? don't really need it. Do you really yeah. think? I mean, if you have that much money, you just buy do, what you do, want. Do you have other people buy you gifts still? I mean, they don't have to be crazy, but like maybe there's some stuff in the kitchen that you've been looking for here. You want one of those? He can, he can go buy it. I mean, listen, how do you stay rich, man? 
That's true. That's yeah. true. And it's, and it's your wedding. Like, they couldn't make it to your wedding. That's rude of them to not show up at a wedding that you planned People at the last minute. People want to send gifts. Yes. So this they is crave just it. giving them they the yearn to give. I just wonder if there's a threshold where it feels awkward to ask for gifts because you have so much friggin' money. Yeah. Oh, I know. That's why I stopped giving you gifts years ago. That's oh. not That's not. That's cool. smart. That. Financial wisdom. Did yeah, nobody exactly. asked you on that? It's just good just I will sick my wife. Just on offer. You, I'm okay? scared enough. Coming up next, from rings to ring hopefuls, we'll talk to Jordan Travis, the Florida State starting quarterback, who's looking to get them back in the national spotlight. Next. <laughs> 